0: What mystery about growing your business are you stuck trying to solve? Well, let us know and submit your business question to businessmadesimple.com slash question for a chance to have Donald Miller coach you through it. Because every Tuesday starting April 20th, new episodes of the Business Made Simple podcast with Donald Miller called Get Coached are focused entirely around coaching you through the business problems that are keeping you up at night. For your chance to get coached by Don, submit your question now to businessmadesimple.com slash question. Again, these new episodes where you can get coached by Don will release every Tuesday starting April 20th inside the Business Made Simple podcast feed. So submit your question now for a chance to get coached by Donald Miller at businessmadesimple.com slash question. Hello, Business Made Simple professionals. Welcome to the podcast that takes the mystery out of growing your business. This week, we're answering the question, how do you successfully lead something you didn't start? Special guest Tyler Reagan, author of Leading Things You Didn't Start, gives us the answer and shares five steps you need to follow if you want a successful transition taking over any project, team, or company.
1: And now here's your host, Donald Miller. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast J.J. and Cooler are going to be back with us next week. Today on the podcast, I have Tyler Reagan. He's written a book called Leading Something You Didn't Start, which is a fascinating conversation when you think about uh, how many times you're going to have to do that in your life. You're talking about anybody stepping into any middle management position. You know, it's part of life being able to walk in and take over something that somebody else has built. And uh, I think of, I mean, can you imagine the pressure of Tim Cook taking over after Steve Jobs stepped down and, and passed away uh, over at Apple. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how much of this I should confess. I didn't think he was going to do well. I thought there are such different minds. Tim Cook thinks so differently than Steve Jobs that the magic is going to be gone. And I've never said that out loud, but let me publicly apologize for my private thought because he didn't fail. He massively succeeded. And what I failed to understand as an armchair critic was that uh, there are different kinds of magic, right? Tim Cook has a magic that Steve Jobs didn't have. You know, He doesn't create a new kind of iPhone or a new contraption that we're walking around in our pocket, but he saw where the market was going in terms of Apple TV and immediately is competing with um, Netflix and Hulu and all these organizations. And you know the, the real key there is not to say, well, they're, they're not wired the same, so this can't work. The, the real beautiful story about that whole thing was how the inner strength of Tim Cook to say, well, I'm not that guy. I'm going to somehow honor that guy, uh, but we're going to take this company in a similar but different direction. I'm not going to lead out of insecurities trying to prove I'm somebody I'm not. I'm going to lead out of my own story and my own gifts. You know, there's life lessons in there for all of us, every one of us has or is going to have to step into a situation where we take something that exists and guide it and move it forward in a way that doesn't destroy it. And there are so many stories about people taking over organizations and that manifests their insecurities and they they destroy something. So. It's a great conversation with Tyler. I'm glad that we had it, and I'm glad to be able to share it with you. It isn't just a conversation about taking over something that you didn't start. It's also a conversation about leadership. And by the end of this episode, uh, you're going to know a few things. One of them, which I get excited about, is how to invite people into a, a new story, how to invite people into something that's so exciting and so different that they honor the past and appreciate it, and yet stay with you moving into the future. We'll get to that in this uh, podcast, but right now, here's my conversation with Tyler Reagan. It's such a concise title, your new book, Leading Things You Didn't Start. Like I'm thinking of you, for one, because you came into a major conference uh, business and took it over. Absolutely, but I also think of
2: the college graduate who's about to go and be a part of a team that exists. Oh, so it's not just for the leader. I think 90% of our friends never start something from scratch. We all step into some expectations, some job description. We're following a leader that got promoted or got kicked out. Like there's just a uniqueness when you come into something you didn't start that made me just go, there's not a lot about that. But yet, most of us do that.
1: Yeah. Well, what was going on in your life five years before you wrote this book? Because, you know, I've written books. I know about five years before, there's some sleepless night happening and you're frustrated you know you're putting together a puzzle and it's really only when you've put together the puzzle you turn around and say okay let me write about this yeah you know let's reverse five years back what was happening that made you that forced you to learn how to lead something you didn't start
2: yeah i had uh a Prior to that moment, I'd been uh, a part of an organization called North Point Ministries with Andy Stanley, and so always kind of stewarding his time, his space, you know, helping work through that content and things like that. So then I step over to be a part of Catalyst Conferences, which were started by John Maxwell, and so it had this this that's how we met, Don, and it had this national kind of movement of faith-based leaders. I remember I was there for a year as the creative director and doing leadership development, and then I stepped in to lead it. And I remember leaving on Friday. Uh, as the creative director coming in on Monday as the new boss. <laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, where do I pull from? Like, what, what what resources can I can I pull from? And I knew there were one or two business books out there, you know, that, that talk about the first 90 days that talk about transition. I just didn't know too many super simple, practical ways to just gain influence day one, even though I'd been around the organization. And uh I just tried to simplify it as much as I could. But I also, for me, Don, that the weight of it was I wasn't just worried about my legacy. I was carrying on the legacy of John Maxwell, of Andy Stanley, of some of these people who I'm standing on their shoulders now. That's what was that intrinsic weight, that that thing in me that was going, I gotta do, I gotta do this well, Don.
1: Well, not not just well, but let, let's talk about the honest human truth about that. You know, you're talking about two people who who are in, you know, arguably my top 10 list, Andy Stanley and John Maxwell, in terms of, yeah. of who they are as human beings, who I'd like to be as a man, what the, how they've impacted the world, um, all that stuff. So how is that walking? In? Do you just go, OK, I got to live up to John Maxwell, or Andy Stanley, or did you cause, or did you not really approach it that way?
2: No, I, I approach it a little differently. And I, I write about this, as, and it comes from the first book I wrote, because the greatest leaders I know are their truest self. They're, they're okay in their own skin. They've embraced the fact that they're unique to what they bring from a leadership perspective. Because I feel like one of the biggest mistakes we can make is me going in, replacing Brad Lominick, who had been leading it for 10 years, and me trying to be Brad Lominick. Right. I'm not winning in that situation. So what I wanted to do was honor the history honor what I think is great about it, honor the the realities that John has brought to the table. So I just really tried to embrace it from a simple idea of going, all I know to do that I can control is handle the people that I've been entrusted to lead to the very best of my ability. And the rest of this will play out in, in a good way. And so yeah, it takes yeah.
1: time, man. It's hard. And, 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 and you made it through there and created a victory. I, I'm curious about, you know what are you saving us from? What's this book saving us from? What have you seen out there where people just did not handle it well?
2: I think the biggest thing I see when leaders step into spaces like this is one, they're scared of failing. So they come across of going, well, let me show you my competency, right? Let me just show you what I got. Let me show you the chops. And and I, one of the things I talk about is you got to be patient. And one of the places you got to be patient with is profit because you got to take care of people first. If you can really create the culture. Now, again, you, you're, you, you love the for-profit industry. I love the for-profit industry as well. It's going to turn around when you get the people right. But a lot of times some guys are following, guys or girls are following a really great leader that people loved. And now they're going, well, how do I get on board with this guy? Because that's not who I signed up for. Or the opposite is true. You've inherited a mess. Half the battle is just communicating. Hey guys, I know this isn't going to be easy. And I, I fully understand all these layers that you're feeling right now but here's the decision and why
1: there is going to be a season of transition i would think uh, you know you're going to lose some board members probably you're going to lose some clients who were hanging around because of the charisma of that other leader and you're now dealing with crisis management and startup culture in some ways because you're rebuilding yep you've got some you've got a framework here that i, I want to talk through as many of these things as we can you've got 5 of them that i think are Really interesting. Celebrate appropriately, honor the right things, shift focus, cast a new compelling vision. That's huge. And and then the last one is going to be really telling. It's move on from honoring, which a lot of people are afraid to do. Yeah. Talk to me about why is celebrating
2: appropriately first. The team is listening, Don, right? They're listening to go. Does this leader have what it takes? Are they going to see me in this process? Where do they want us to go? Like you're setting up the casting vision component of this, right? By what you celebrate. So in other words, if I celebrate the past, but it was celebrating, you know, a a bad culture, a toxic culture scenario, you're losing potential influence with the team you just inherited because they're going, are you serious right now? Like you're celebrating the fact that he worked uh, 70 hours a week and, and would make us do that, too. You're celebrating the fact that, like, see what I mean? But if I celebrate and go, one of my favorite things that I've heard about you guys is that you're committed. You know, Lynchioni talks about the five results or five behaviors of a great team. And one of those is commitment. Man, I have never seen a team more committed, so much so that you get working at a place that was toxic culturally. I want to create and celebrate what I want the values to be moving forward, but I can do that without going up to a whiteboard and going, here's our values going forward. It's almost a secret strategic way to begin implementing your DNA, your belief system, and your culture, and where you're going to take them to as you cast vision. That's fantastic.
1: Okay. What about honoring the right things? How do you decide what to honor as you transition the culture? It depends
2: on the room. Like when I'm in certain rooms, if I'm on a stage, I I dealt with this my first couple of years of Catalyst is, you know, I was also the host in front of three, four, 5,000 people. What I say up there really matters. Like it's it's going to tell a story or it's going to not tell a story. And um, because, you know, both Brad and I, one of the things that was unique for our first 18 months of me leading was there were people that wanted there to be a story. Right. Like they they wanted there to be, why did he wait? What happened there? And And the truth is every time I had a chance publicly to honor Brad and honor where we've come and even tell a little bit of the story, it allowed us to create the framework moving forward. It allowed us to create a narrative that we know was right, that was true because everybody's going to create their own narratives unless we help create it for them. When there's a gap in information, are we going to fill it with trust as a team or are we going to fill it with suspicion? And my other thing is, well, then remove the gaps. That helps too, right? Right, So we don't have to choose. Like, let's remove the gaps. So I think when we're when we're honoring, uh, when we're honoring the right things, what it's again communicating, and again, these are all building on each other. Going, guys, I know where you've been. I'm not an idiot. I can see what you've dealt with. I'm going to honor what needs to be honored, but I'm also going to start moving us, moving the needle towards what doesn't need to be a consistent behavior as we move forward.
1: The other thing that you said that's so incredible is, you know, if you don't figure out the story, one will be invented. 100%. And if you don't tell the story, one will be invented. You've got to figure that out and communicate that. And probably every person listening to this podcast right now is ignoring some, some narrative that needs to be discussed and needs to be talked about. You know, it's called closing a story loop. Why did somebody get fired? That's an open story loop. Yep. You don't close that story loop, you're going to have a thousand different <laughs> stories going around on closing that story loop for you that are probably all fiction. I literally will open a story loop, make some comment and hear from another leader. Somebody will call me and say, hey, you know, so-and-so came to me after you said that and had a bunch of questions. I I
2: remember reading an article uh, based on um, uh, Daniel Goldman's original primal leadership, his his original emotional intelligence conversation. And he talked about leaders who are um, who lack emotional intelligence they do exactly what you described. They would go into a meeting, they drop a bomb on everybody thinking it's motivation and thinking it's good leadership. I'm I'm shaking them, I'm moving them forward. And yet what happens is it actually demotivates everybody. It creates a bunch of behind the scene water cooler conversations, closed door, what do we do now to please the boss? And what it actually creates is discord because they never called out the elephant in the room. They never said it out loud. Okay,
1: talk to me about shifting focus. Because yeah. it's very similar, it sounds like casting a compelling vision, which is those are numbers three and four of the the things right. you talk about when you're leading an organization you didn't start. W- w- so, what's the difference between shifting focus and casting a new vision?
2: Yeah, and all of these are falling in the first section around evaluation. So, it's really that understanding of where we are and where we're going. Right. And it's just that we've just honored. We know where we we are. We've articulated. We said it out loud. Now it's just a simple of where are we going because. This is such a critical part in the process of leading something. You still got a whole team when they took the job years ago, did not sign up for you.
1: Gosh, that's, that's, that's weight, man.
2: It, but it's critical, right? And uh, in the back, Don, I wrote, I have these four case studies of leaders, you know, who um, are in different spaces. And one of my favorite is Buzz Williams, who's the head coach at Texas A&M men's basketball. It was his a hundred days into his fourth major division one program that he had taken over. Can you imagine being a coach coming into these high superstar players who don't know you? They didn't sign up for you. Their whole world was rocked when the person who recruited them left. Now you've got to come in and go, Well, my culture's good. My personality's got all these different things. And it's back to what we said is like, not only do I have to get you on board with me as a leader, but I also have to show you that where we're going is worth you sticking around to be a part going forward. And for me, what I did uh, when I took over at Catalyst, I waited a few months. I kind of I knew the team, but I came in on one. It was the first staff meeting we had in the new year in January, and I laid out for the team. I made them sit in a circle and I made them look at each other eyeball to eyeball. And I said, here are the six expectations if you're going to sit in this circle. And they were all, none of them were competency related. They were all personality and behavior, how we're going to treat each other, what it looks like to treat our clients. What does it mean to be a part of this team? And one of those, you know, we were in the faith-based leadership space, serving a lot of local churches and very few of our staff were serving in a local church. And I just remember saying, Hey guys, that's kind of part of what we do. Right, right. What I was able to do was go, here's what it means. If you're going to sit in this circle and you're going to be held accountable for this. But what I did was give them permission to leave if they couldn't fit with the new shifted focus, the new where are we are going, the new vision of what we're doing. But I did it in a way that said, hey, I want to coach you out of the organization. I don't want this to be right. this bl- like if this isn't working for you, that's fantastic. We're good with that. We will do everything in our power to get you in the right seat on the bus, even if it's somebody else's bus.
1: That's brilliant. OK, we got two more. I'm very curious about number four here. Cast a new compelling vision.
2: Yeah, and it's why is this better than what you've been walking through? Not just the culture stuff, not just the staff stuff, not just but where are we going and how are we going to get there? Why is that better if we do achieve that? None of this happens in one meeting. This is this is part of that early process of getting in, listening well, loving these people, where caring for them so that you then earn a voice to go, here's where we're going and this is what it's going to take from you to get there.
1: Can you give me one characteristic of a new and compelling story? What's one thing that you got to get right when you're pitching uh, the new vision. Again, I'm not trying to oversimplify. I think it's got to be exciting. No, nah, and that's not oversimplifying <laughs> at all. Like, I just want to get excited when I come to work. We, I, our new vision is to increase shareholder value. <laughs>
2: right? I've, been, I've been doing these culture audits with these different groups that I'm consulting with, Don. And one of the first questions I ask each employee is, what do you love about coming to work? well, if the compelling vision and the, like, if it's not exciting for them to come to work, what are we doing? Like, it's not about just a paycheck. It's about bringing purpose and life to what we're doing in the way we do it.
1: All right. Final one, move on from honoring. And this is, yeah. this is, this is really good. This is emotional intelligence 101. one. It is. And a lot of people would resent the fact that they have to keep honoring. Right. And you got to move on. And so tell me what happened with you personally there that, you know, that, that you learned this lesson.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it's never happened to you Don that you think you think of something that should have gone in the book after you wrote it. I'm sure it's never happened to you but <laughs> that's called the next book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to me I
2: just call it the dance of discernment. There's this kind of dance that you have to do which is I'm going to take a step forward and if I'm pushing too hard, I got to be discerning in that. And I've got to take a little bit of a step back. Sometimes you're going to take a step and get no resistance whatsoever that you thought you were. Now you got to press in a little bit harder. So I call it a dance cuz you're following a little bit, you know? I know there's a lot of leaders like, "Yeah, but there's times you got to lay down the law and there's times you just got to be the leader and you got to make this decision." I just think we we bank and use that as a crutch so often that we're not willing to dive into the weeds and do the hard heavy lifting, which is emotional and going, "These are people we're leading, okay?" At the simplest These are people that care. I love their families. I love who they are as people. There are times that I need to make a withdrawal from the grace they're going to give me because I've got to make a hard decision because you're gauging on how this team's going to do in the future, but they're also gauging how you're going to do. And if you come in early and you run through them like it doesn't matter, you're losing influence way too early on something you don't need to. So I just think it's critical to start figuring out that dance of discernment, which is a requirement of a good leader in this situation who says, it's not just about me right now. It's about where we're going. And I've got to be willing to step back at the right times and step forward, depending on what I'm sensing in the moment.
1: Does that mean you just stop honoring the legacy of the organization as much? I mean, you never stop completely, right? But tell me what you mean by move on from honoring.
2: There's a point that you just go, okay, I've done it. We're in the new story. Yeah. You just got to move on at some point. You just got to go, okay, done. Mission accomplished. Let's go.
1: Tyler, this is an important book, not just for, for anybody who just got a job in management at a large organization, anybody who's taken over an organization, anybody taking over a team with a vision that maybe they didn't start. This is also a book that can go uh, into a transition plan.
2: Yep. The founder syndrome's real, right?
1: You don't want it to end with you, Don. No, no. I, I've got a meeting this week about that. And I'm not nowhere near stepping down. But I, you got to think about that stuff. You got to think about it 20 years early. Yeah.
2: And I, you know, again, I've I've worked most of my life in the church space and the faith. Churches are terrible at it. And then the collateral damage from not handling this well, you lose people day in and day out because you didn't plan and you didn't prepare for it. And that's part of like even my business, my coaching business. I'm just making this part of the business, which is developing and coaching leaders when they transition because it's a different skill set. That's a different leadership thing to be looking at the transition parts of it, not just the leadership parts of it. So.
1: All right. The book is Leading Things You Didn't Start. My guest is Tyler Reagan. Uh, A lot of wisdom here, not just for leading things you didn't start, but for leading, period. Tyler, thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me, Don. Good to see you.
1: Our StoryBrand certified guides are the
0: best marketers in the world and know how to get your business a huge return. For this week's Marketing Minute Tip, our very own StoryBrand Marketing Guru, Dr. JJ Peterson,
3: talks with StoryBrand Certified Guide, Kelly Scholl. So Kelly, you recently worked with a financial software company that was needing to get their entire team excited about their message. Where did you start?
4: Yeah, so the one-liner was so key for them because they're thinking, we've got a team of 70 distributed, remote, How do we bring everyone together around this new positioning and get them excited? They brought me on. We developed a one-liner that clearly and concisely explained uh, what it is their customer's problem is and how they solve it, and then what their customers' lives will look like after they're done. So they presented that to their team of over 70 people spread out all over the place, and they did it in the form of a one-liner challenge. They came up with the most amazing ways to communicate The one-liner, there was sign language version, um, animated short, video commercial stop-motion videos, talking dogs. Um, There was even an airline announcement. Like, you name it, they did it.
3: (laughs) That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I love that so much. So then, ultimately, how did their team respond to this?
4: This is a direct quote from my client. She said, I guarantee every single member of our team can reel off the one-liner immediately when asked. The one-liner gives us a clear position in the market. People remember what they do now.
3: So many companies struggle to unite their team around a single message. So here is what this all boils down to for this week's Marketing Minute tip. If you do not have a one-liner, which is a short phrase that explains clearly what you do by talking about the problem you solve for your customer, the way you solve that problem, and what their life is like after you solve that problem, you need to hire a StoryBrand certified guide like Kelly Scholl today at MarketingMadeSimple.com.
1: All right, it's time for our closing thought. But before I give you the closing thought, I'm doing something really new and really fun. One of the most fun, entertaining things I get to do is actually review people's websites. That is, they'll send me the website for their company and I'll just take about a five minute look at that website and say, here's everything I think you need to change in order to increase your revenue. I've done it only live. I've done it at our workshops. I'll, I'll go occasionally at, 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 to some other conference and I'll do, get on stage and do that there. It, it feels like, to me, it feels like I'm doing card tricks because um, I don't know. It's just, there's just some, something magical about saying, hey, what if you tried a tagline like this? And of course, at me as a, a born performer in Enneagram 3, when the audience goes, wow, yeah, you know, <laughs> I just feed off of that and, and I keep going. Well, we are actually going to do it every week now and we're calling it Website Wednesday. Not only will I review a website, but Emily, a very, very talented young woman on my staff, is actually going to take your old website and all the advice that I give, and she is going to create a new PDF showing you what your new website should look like. Doesn't that sound exciting? Coming up literally this Wednesday, we're going to do this. If you want me to review your website, uh, there's a way you can enter yours into the lottery here. Just go to businessmadesimple.com slash website. Go to businessmadesimple.com slash website. Uh, Give me your domain name and it'll be entered in. Also, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm just Donald Miller on Instagram because every Wednesday, we're also going to post it there on Instagram. Uh, So it's just something fun that that I absolutely love to do. It makes a huge difference for your business when you have a great website, and I will review it and then show you a new version of it, and then you can execute those changes and make a lot more money. So businessmadesimple.com slash website. Today's topic is really interesting, and today's closing thought is going to be sort of an umbrella uh, coverage of all that we've talked about, and that really is Transitions. You know, how do you go from one season to another and lead people through a transition? Well, the, the first part, in my opinion, is about making sure everybody knows that one story has ended. One of the worst things that you can do as a team, as a leader of a team, is to have accomplished goals without acknowledging those goals have been accomplished, celebrating them, having a big toast, including some sentimental uh, speech, and then giving it a period of rest. And by rest, I mean two weeks, you know, something, but not long. The real danger is, one, you didn't close out a story and celebrate the fact that that story's over. Uh, That's one danger. But the bigger danger is not starting a new one. You know, a lot of people do this with their lives. Their culture or their family has given them a story of graduating high school and going off to college. Then college gives them a story, you know, finding a— a mate, hopefully, and uh, getting your degree and getting a job. That, that's the transition into a new story. And then you get a job and then you get married. That's a story. And then culture and, and church and our families, what's interesting is they don't give us any stories after that. You know, They gave us the story about going to high school and they gave us the story about going to college. And then culture gave us the story about getting married and starting a family. And then culture gives us the story about starting a career and getting into your career. And then that's it. Nobody gives you a story anymore. And a lot of people fail to create a story of their own because everything's been handed to them. All the, all the cultural scripts have been handed to them and they, they don't realize, no, I need to dream up a story about making the world a better place, starting a nonprofit, starting a business, doing something to keep the narrative going. And what ends up happening is you, you sit there in the theater of your mind and the, the credits rolled back when you graduated from college or back when you had your first kid. And you watch those credits roll and You're waiting for the new story, but nobody ever gave you one. And so you're as restless and as bored and as crazy as a person who's been sitting in a theater for three years watching a blank screen. Well, as leaders, we can do that to our people. You you end one story and you don't start a new one. Something else has to hit the screen. We have to be able to say, you know, we're going to accomplish this new goal and we're going to do it in the next three years. And we're going to measure the key performance indicators for the next three years. We're going to celebrate small victories. And you know, pretty soon that, that whole lethargic machine that has ground to a halt starts creaking forward again. Uh, Viktor Frankl, who many of you know is my hero, Viennese psychologist, he would call this uh, an existential vacuum. You're sitting in the theater of your mind watching a blank screen. He called it an existential vacuum. And it's, uh, it's a precursor to anxiety and depression and all sorts of other bad stuff you don't want. But I call the existential vacuum a narrative void. You're not in a story. There's no reason to, there's no page turner that's causing you to get out of bed every morning. And that's what we do as leaders. We give people a page turner, reason to get out of bed in the morning, reason to put their shoes on and march into the world and make a difference. So transition out of the old story and start a new story. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week for the Business Made Simple podcast. If you want to become a
0: Business Made Simple professional, sign up for pro access at businessmadesimple.com and get all our online courses, plus access to live coaching sessions with Donald Miller every month. Go pro at businessmadesimple.com.